Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Back Room. I'm Andy Ostroy, and man, do we have an exciting show for you today. We're going to start off with New York Congressman Dan Goldman, and then we're going to bring out CNN political commentator and writer S.E. Cup. But first, thank you for tuning in today. We appreciate you listening, and we'd love to hear your comments. So email us at backroomandy at gmail.com and or post on our social media, and we'll read some feedback next time. And if you like the podcast, please follow or subscribe, and you'll be notified every time we post a new episode. Here's some recent feedback we received. On our David Jolly conversation, Debbie Best writes, Love him. D. Rama writes, He was also a great Republican at the time, representative for Pinellas County, Florida, and that's just this Democrat's opinion. On our May Pang conversation, Phyllis Stein writes, Very cool. And it was. That was a very cool conversation. I wanted to talk about the Maine shooting. And week after week, month after month, we're in the same place where all we get is thoughts and prayers. And this is not the time to talk about gun reform. The new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, yesterday he said, it's not guns that caused this, it's human hearts. Well, that's a new one, human hearts. So we have video games, porn, mental illness, and now the human heart. Although last time I checked in New Zealand, Australia, Japan, Scotland, the UK, where there's like zero mass shootings, they also have zero guns. I guess we're just more mentally ill than they are. <laughs> and then you had Jared Golden, who is a congressman up in Maine, who apologized yesterday. And uh, he vowed, unlike in the past, he is now going to support an assault weapons ban. Um, Maine has a yellow flag law. If it had a red flag law, we might have stopped this shooting. Yellow flag laws are just like watered down versions of red flag laws. They're not as aggressive when it comes to examining those who have mental illness and the process you have to go through to conclude that they are not worthy of purchasing a gun or getting a gun license. Also, the process is different with regard to how families can report people in their families with mental illness, instead of going directly to a judge, you have to go through the police department and then the police have to have had arrested you on something. And it's like the country supports this stuff. Three quarters of the country support red flag laws, support background checks, support raising the purchasing age to 21. These are, these are no brainers. But here's the interesting thing that I learned in the last 24 hours. Between 1994 and 2004, when the United States had an assault weapon ban, the likelihood of dying by an assault weapon decreased 70%. 70%. And then you look at the countries that have bans or instituted bans after a mass shooting, like just one shooting, done. Gun ban, right? There's no massacres. There's no mass shootings. This is not rocket science, people. You take away the guns, the assault weapons, you have strict gun laws, and you won't have the kind of gun violence that we have in this country. I think in the last 12 months or something, we've had like almost 600 mass shootings. So that's almost twice as many days there are in a year, right? So if when there's a shooting, that's not the time to discuss gun violence, when the fuck is, right? Everything seems to go backwards here. Just hours before the rampage happened in Maine, the Senate voted 53-45 for an amendment to make it easier for veterans with mental disabilities to get guns. And that was literally just hours before. And Kennedy, John Kennedy, said on the floor that my amendment would prevent government workers from unduly stripping veterans of their rights to bear arms. And uh, so I don't, I don't see us moving forward on this in any way, shape, or form. It's such a fascinating issue because it, it impacts everyone. It impacts every family. <clears throat> it's not a red or blue issue. You're not immune from gun violence, death, if you're a Republican or a Democrat. It's like the environment. We all drink the same water. We all breathe the same air. It, it, the environment's a good example because we have a divide on climate change amongst the parties. And of course, the uh, hurricanes affect red and blue equally, but it seems to be an ideological divide no matter what happens. Yeah. Well, the fact that someone could try to convince you that Guns have nothing to do with gun violence. I mean, come on. Just be straight up and say, we know guns cause gun death, but we have a right to have them. 
Just say it. But this, you know, human hearts is what causes gun death. Like, what does that There's... even mean? And this is the Speaker of the House now. So we know what's we know what's coming out of Congress. Nothing. There's a lot to unpack with Mike Johnson. So let's move on to our winners and losers. My first loser, university overt anti-Semitism exploding across the United States. My second loser, the election of one of the architects to overturn the 2020 election, a seditionist Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. My loser this week is everyone who voted for a Christian nationalist nut job, Mike Johnson, especially those representatives in districts that voted for Biden. My winner is the UAW. They reached a tentative contract agreement with Ford that could be a breakthrough to end the nearly six-week-old strike. And this is a big win for unions. My winner, Jenna Ellis, former Trump attorney who came forward and uh, is now going to testify against him. My loser, Jenna Ellis, who still doesn't seem to be taking any real responsibility for what she did. All right, let's get to our weekly rant. In the two and a half weeks since the barbaric attack by Hamas on Israel, we've seen posters of kidnapped Israeli hostages pop up all over the world, including here in New York City. We've also seen countless videos of smug, self-righteous assholes indiscriminately ripping down those posters. They include young and old, Jews and non-Jews alike. These are the very same people who condemn war and condemn Israel for its retaliatory airstrikes on Gaza, which have displaced injured, and killed innocent civilians, men, women, and children. In their condemnation, they assert that the people of Gaza, Palestinians, should not be equated with Hamas, that they're not the same, and therefore they should not be victimized and made to suffer because of Hamas's actions. They claim to be demonstrating compassion, empathy, and sympathy for innocent people caught up in a brutal war. Yet they wander the global streets searching for posters of Israeli men, women, and children who are also innocent victims, human beings who fell prey during an unprovoked massacre. Like Palestinians in Gaza, they didn't ask for their homeland to be attacked. They didn't ask for their kibbutzim to be overrun by murderous terrorists. They didn't ask to be kidnapped. Like Palestinians in Gaza, they are caught up in this centuries-old conflict. They are not the same as the Israeli government. And I suspect many have actually participated in the massive anti-government, anti-Netanyahu protests that have engulfed Israel for some time now. But these misguided Hamas sympathizers who tear down hostage posters, not surprisingly, don't give a flying fuck about the innocent men, women, and children that are somewhere in Gaza, separated from family, terrified, fearing for their lives. To the poster rippers, these are just Jews, subhumans. And so they deserve it. The hypocrisy is both stunning and infuriating, and the blatant anti-Semitism is beyond disgusting, but not shocking. Shame on them. All right, let's get to Representative Dan Goldman. He currently serves New York's 10th Congressional District. In 2019, he served as lead counsel for the impeachment investigation of former President Trump for abusing his office for his personal interest regarding Ukraine. Prior to that, Goldman served for a decade as an assistant United States attorney in the Southern District of New York. Congressman, welcome back into the back room. Thank you so much, Andy. Great to be back. So I had intended to start with the chaos in the House, but last night we had a tragic mass shooting up in Maine. Like most people, I'm at a loss for words. I don't even know what to say. When does this carnage, how and when does this carnage end? Uh, When Republicans start to do what the vast overwhelming majority of the American people want to do, which is to pass common sense gun safety legislation. And in this particular case, um, as, as I understand it, and I, I you know, just read this in the media reports, um, the, the fugitive that they, that they believe to have um, conducted this mass shooting was in a mental institution for two weeks this past summer. If there was a federal red flag law, uh, he would not be able to own a gun, much less a semi-automatic weapon. And that alone would have prevented this particular mass shooting. There are other mass shootings that could be prevented with other 
common sense gun safety legislation. But what the Democrats are proposing is not to take guns away from Americans. It is just simply to make sure that those who have guns qualify to have them and are properly vetted to make sure that they don't use them improperly. And this is just another heartbreaking example of how common sense gun safety legislation could have saved at least 18 lives, perhaps more, uh, that are just needlessly and uh, lost. So are your Republican colleagues, they're just owned by the gun lobby. Is that what this boils down to? And that nothing's going to change until we flip Congress and get a bigger majority? I mean, that just seems to be the only solution, is, isn't it? Well, I do think the gun lobby has a lot of influence, um, although I think it is diminishing. Uh, I think, frankly, gerrymandering is hugely problematic because the Republicans, for the most part, who are in Congress are in very, very red districts. So that national polling, even if it includes Republicans, uh, may not exist in many of the House Republicans' district. But as we saw last year uh, with Buffalo and Uvalde, some of these tragedies are so bad and so obviously preventable that it even gets to Republicans. And Congress was able to pass the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act last year, which is just a small step uh, that, that we need to take. But it is an indication that public pressure can influence even Republicans on this issue. And so what I urge everyone to do is continue to trumpet common sense gun safety legislation, such as a red flag law, which would have prevented this one, and that we need to continue a grassroots advocacy movement to promote common sense gun safety legislation and to put pressure on the Republicans to come to the table to try to save innocent lives. Yeah, it just seems like such a lofty goal that the frustration that people like me at home feel, uh, it just seems like there's an entrenchment that is insurmountable and that the only answer is just to fill Congress with as many Democrats as possible. And we have an important election coming up next year. And I think that has to be a huge message, the, the get out the vote, because it's not only gun reform, it's a choice, it's climate, it's all kinds of things. So let, let's talk about- I agree about with you, Andy. I, I, I think this has to be- like abortion was the critical issue in 2022, uh, and it will be again uh, in 2024 as we see states uh, enacting draconian uh, anti-abortion, anti-individual freedom, anti-choice measures, and Republicans in the House who are, including the new speaker, who are advocating for a national abortion ban. It will still be a critical issue, but so is this gun violence. We now have um, almost two mass shootings a day in America, a day. It is the leading cause of death among children in America. It is unacceptable. It is, there is no justification for, do, for the, uh, that, those facts and the failure of the Republicans to simply pass regulations that make sure those who own guns are doing it legally, properly, and with proper vetting. That's all. That's what it's trying to do. And we don't need civilians having weapons of war. You don't need an AR-15 to hunt or for self-defense. Um, that, that should not be permitted for civilians. But there are other guns and rifles that people should be able to get with proper vetting and proper um, checks and balances like we have for a driver's license, you know, like we have for a car insurance. Uh, there are many things in our society that are far less dangerous than guns that we require 
certification or licenses for. And it's just unacceptable at this point to continue to allow the scourge of mass shootings to continue. Mm -hmm. I've had people like <clears throat> David Hogg and Victor Shee and your colleague Maxwell Frost on, and, and, I, and I do think that Gen Z is not only going to be relied upon incredibly next year, but I think they're, they're going to continue to come through. So let's shift to the House. It's now the morning after. <clears throat> uh, we have Mike Johnson in the Speaker's seat. What are you? What is the what is the first day starting out like in Congress with MAGA Mike? Well, um, yesterday uh, we passed with with overwhelming support a resolution in support of Israel uh, as it defends itself from a brutal terrorist organization. Um, and today they're moving forward with uh, their appropriations bills. Um, it, it will, one of the problems that Democrats certainly had with, uh, the former speaker, Kevin McCarthy, is that even though Republicans, including based on Kevin McCarthy's negotiations, agreed on top line appropriations numbers for this next fiscal year in the fiscal responsibility act, which raised the debt ceiling limit, the Republicans are, uh, breaching that agreement and they are actually lowering those top line numbers for each of the individual spending bills. So um, these bills not only reduce dramatically spending that Americans need and programs that Americans need, um, but they have also been including a poison pill culture war amendments um, that uh, are uh, incredibly discriminatory against the LGBTQ community and uh, restrict um, basic medical care, including reproductive health care, that have nothing to do with these appropriations bills and should have nothing to do with it. But it is just another example of the extremism that we're seeing out of the Republican Party. And so uh, we, therein lies a, a significant problem um, that we have in, in trying to work in a bipartisan way. Mm -hmm. Who are the biggest winners and losers? I mean, besides Johnson himself, who is a relative nobody, inexperienced, unqualified, doesn't even believe in the Constitution, wanted to overturn a free and fair election and overthrow the government, in essence. Besides him, has Matt Gates just risen to the top of the shit pile in terms of power, influence, that he's going to be able to yield? Has MAGA just become more powerful than they could ever have dreamed? I mean, the Speaker of the House is uh, um, MAGA Mike. It's unfathomable. Well, the biggest winner is Donald Trump. Mm. Um, and there's no question that uh, Donald Trump played a significant role in the Speaker's race. When Tom Emmer, uh, who's currently the majority whip, uh, was the candidate, uh, Republicans seemed to be rallying around him. And then Donald Trump came out uh, and attacked him and his support evaporated. And the reason he attacked him is that Tom Emmer voted to certify the election. And uh, Mike Johnson, of course, did not. And not only that, he was uh, a significant legal architect of Donald Trump's effort to overturn the election. And Donald Trump wants to have a Speaker of the House who would be willing to overturn the next election. And that is what he's focused on. And he got it. So the Donald Trump's the biggest winger, winner, and then his MAGA uh, associates in the Republican Party are the, the second biggest winners, including Matt Gates, including the extreme right. There was a civil war between traditional Republicans and the MAGA extremist Republicans, and the MAGA extremists won. And that is now so clearly what the Republican Party is. And how do you think that impacts next year's election? A year ago, Republicans said, give us control of the House. We'll fix all the intransigence and the chaos. We'll get stuff done, none of which they did. And you tweeted something about the New York 8, the seats that we hope to pick up that we lost, whether it's Santos, Esposito, Molinaro. Uh, do you feel like those eight seats in New York in particular are really attainable? Yeah, there are a number of seats in New York um, the, with freshman Republican members um, who, that are uh, Biden districts that mm -hmm. Joe Biden 
in the 2020 election. And many of them like to pay lip service to being moderate and being rational. But as we have now seen with this speaker vote, and we've frankly seen it throughout this Congress, when push comes to shove and they have to actually vote, not just talk, they vote with the extremists. They vote with the MAGA wing of the party. And no example is better than that than the fact that they all supported MAGA Mike Johnson uh, for Speaker of the House. And everything that Mike Johnson has stood for and everything that he does going forward will now be hung around the necks of those Republicans in New York for the voters to see. Do they support a national abortion ban? Are they against LGBTQ rights? Do they want to cut Social Security and Medicare? Do they want to overturn a valid election? These are all things that Mike Johnson stands for that they just voted for. The House Oversight Committee just announced that it had its bombshell, the smoking gun, the check, the $200,000 check, which clearly had in this subject line loan repayment. What do you make of this farce that's going on? How much longer will it go on? There's so many issues in this country that we've just been talking about in the last 15, 10 minutes. Why are your colleagues on the other side of the aisle wasting time on this? Uh, that is the $64,000 question. Um, we have had 10 months of an investigation. They have over 14,000 pages and counting because they continue to get bank records. Uh, they have more than 2,000 pages of suspicious activity reports that the Department of Treasury, Treasury provided access to. Um, they have a lot of information from the Department of Justice. The Biden administration, unlike the Trump administration, has been very cooperative with this complete fishing expedition of an investigation, and they still have no evidence of wrongdoing by President Biden. None. And they can say whatever they want and they can gaslight and make false statements and misrepresent the evidence as they did last week with this $200,000 check uh, that was simply uh, then civilian Biden, Joe Biden's uh, loan repayment by his brother for a loan that he had given him, a temporary loan that he had given him six weeks before. And they're trying to make this into some big international crisis. It's absurd. And it is long past time that we stop wasting the time and the, of the uh, Congress and the American people and the millions of dollars that they're spending on this investigation that has no evidence. So, yes, this should end immediately. And if it doesn't, uh, we will continue to point out the farce that it is. It seems inconceivable that it's moving the needle with the people they need next year, the independents, the people in the middle. So who is it targeted to, if not just the zombies sitting at home watching OAN and Newsmax? It just seems like such a colossal waste of time, not just for the American people, but for the Republican Party. I don't know what they're getting out of it. Oh, come on, Andy. You know the answer to that. Donald Trump. Donald Trump is pulling the strings. Donald Trump through his acolytes, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, the other uh, extremists on the right, is wants Joe Biden to be impeached uh, as retribution for his own impeachments and to assist in his uh, electoral campaign to become president. The irony of the fact that this investigation, much of this investigation, is the same subject and topic that Donald Trump tried to extort the president of Ukraine to do an investigation of in 2019 is not lost. And he only wanted him to announce the investigation because he just wanted to use it for his campaign. He was impeached for that. But President Zelensky, a new president in a fledgling democracy that is obviously, as we have seen, incredibly dependent on the United States, stood up to Donald Trump and resisted doing an improper investigation. Sadly, House Republicans do not have that backbone to stand up to Donald Trump. He is calling the shots, and this investigation is solely for him. Yeah, well, your colleague Pete Aguilar yesterday said it perfectly. This has been about one thing. Who can appease Donald Trump?
Yeah, I mean that's that's a big part of it, um, and it's it, ultimately I think the last three or four weeks um, have been an internecine battle within the Republican Party to determine the direction. And just like we've seen in the presidential election, even though Donald Trump has been indicted four times, um, even though you know he called for the execution of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, even if he has. Uh, given classified information to other countries. I mean, the more and more stuff that comes out, it is so clear that that person should never get near a public office, and yet he's leading by 50 points in the Republican primary. That is the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. And American voters are going to have a choice at the ballot next November. Do they want a corrupt narcissistic, wannabe authoritarian to be the president? Or do they want somebody who has rallied our allies, who is wise, experienced, and incredibly competent, who has passed historic legislation to help the American economy, uh, and both domestically and also internationally? That is the choice that voters have. And uh, I, I think it's going to be a very stark one. So let's shift to Israel. It's been three weeks since the massacre. I know you were there when the massacre occurred. Where where are you today with this conflict? Look, I, I am where I was three weeks ago, which is that a terrorist organization brutally and savagely in a subhuman way uh, attacked uh, innocent Israeli Jews um, with an effort simply to exterminate and eliminate Jews. It was an effort in genocide. Israel has now declared war on Hamas, as is their right and their duty to defend their citizens and their borders, and Hamas needs to be eliminated. But this is not a war against the Palestinian people. This is a war against a brutal terrorist regime that has been terrible for the Palestinian people in Gaza which Hamas has controlled for 15 years. And so we need to be sure that uh, Israel is smart and strategic about executing its mission to eradicate Hamas, while also making sure that we do everything possible to protect innocent Palestinian lives in Gaza. And that is an obligation of the entire international community, Israel included, Egypt included, Hamas included, the United States included, and all of the Arab League and Arab countries. This has to be a all-hands-on-deck effort, um, and we need to root out terrorism, and we need to get those hostages back immediately. Yeah, well, it's such a complicated situation. I know you got to run to a vote. Please come back soon, and let's finish this conversation because it is so important. Thank you, Congressman. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me. Let's talk a minute about the House. We have a new House Speaker, Mike Johnson. It's going to be a fun year. That's all I can say. A lot of fun. I'm just terrified. I mean, he's actually worse than we could have imagined, although it was probably inevitable that someone as bad as possible would elevate to the top. Uh, There's so many things wrong with him, it's hard to put them in one thing. I mean, he doesn't believe in evolution. He thinks that teaching evolution is why we have school shootings. And, and of course, abortion is also re- why we have school shootings. He's married to his wife in what's called a covenant marriage, which is stricter than regular marriage and is only legal in three states. And it was basically created to, to counter the horrors of no-fault marriage. Yeah, I, I hear he's going to be in the next season of Handmaid's Tale. Um, <laughs> so, he, look, he's young-looking. He's articulate. <laughs> he's very mild-mannered. He's a Jim Jordan in Mike Johnson's clothing. Only he's even in some ways more vile than Jim Jordan, which is hard to achieve. But you know where Jim Jordan's coming from. And Jim Jordan isn't vehemently anti-gay. There's some things that are just more out of step with the American people than even Jim yeah. Jordan, which yeah, is hard look, to imagine. All the conservative shit, abortion, gay marriage, all that crap, you know, isn't it? climate change is, is, is fake. I, I, that's fine with me. You're a conservative. I'm a liberal. I get it. But like... Denying the election, that's a whole other bag of tricks. Um, I just want to mention a couple of things real quick that happened with the Donald Trump situation this week. In addition to Jenna Ellis, we learned that Mark Meadows was given immunity. Those two things 
Jenna Ellis, Mark Meadows, huge. And the dominoes continue to fall. And they're going to continue to fall until they land right at Donald Trump's doorstep. I think you guys know my feeling on Donald Trump ultimately pleading guilty, taking a deal, and dropping out of the race. But we'll move on from that. And then Michael Cohen, back in court, uh, testifying in that civil fraud trial in New York State. Lots going on with Donald Trump. He's in a whole heap of trouble. All right, it's time to bring back Essie Cup. She is a CNN political commentator and most recently host of CNN's Essie Cup Unfiltered. Before joining CNN, she hosted MSNBC's The Cycle. She's a nationally syndicated political columnist, culture critic, author, and consultant who regularly writes for the New York Daily News, Glamour, and CNN.com. She was previously a consultant for Apple TV's The Morning Show, starring Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, and Steve Carell, and the HBO hit series The Newsroom. S.E., welcome back into the back room. Thanks for having me. I love being here. Well, where do we begin? I was going to start with the chaos in the house, but then last night, this tragic mass shooting, another one, every week, week after week. Where where does this end? What has become of America that this is our normal way of life now? Well, let me answer this by bringing up another story that really got to me this week. And obviously, the main tragedy is so awful. And we're going to learn more about that. But we, we know what we need to know. We know what the problems are here. But another story that hit this week, I don't know if you saw this or remember this, but two kids out in Vegas are in a car with video camera. And they see a guy on a bike. And they say, go hit him. Let's go kill him. Hmm. They do. And this guy was a retired police officer and they killed him and they laughed about it. They were in court this week, I guess, on their arraignment, laughing, flipping off the family members of this murdered, retired police officer who was just riding his bike. To me, Yes, we have a problem with guns. Undoubtedly, absolutely. I'm not ducking that question. We can talk more about that. But the common thread I'm seeing more and more in so much of this senseless violence is a total disregard for the value of human life. Mm. I see it in these road rage episodes where all it takes is someone to cut you off. And you walk out of your car with a gun and shoot that person in the head. That also happened mm -hmm. last week or the week before. And while you can say, believe me, I'm in therapy for all of this. And my, ther you know, my therapist will say, well, these are anecdotal. And I know it feels like these are happening every five minutes and everywhere around you. But they're not. Well, it really does feel like that. Like, there's so much haphazard, capricious senseless violence happening small town big city anywhere you go you can't escape it and it really fucks with your mind it really makes you think we are soulless we have lost our way i think that's true in all of these episodes mm -hmm. but i really hope still that we are appalled collectively by all of this and that we do have a shared humanity that outweighs this sickness in our country. This hate, extremism, division, anger, um, racism, bigotry, anti-Semitism, homophobia, Islamophobia, all those things. And then just this senseless disregard for life. Well, it's all those... It's really, it's a lot. Yeah, well, and all those things existed... For, for as long as this country was in existence. But it's hard yeah. for me not to think that all of it just amplified the minute Trump st stepped onto the, the national scene. And it's like inhumanity is the goal today. How cruel can we be? And I don't think you're wrong in attributing a lot of this stuff to the advent of of the Trump era and his, you know, the way he coarsened our political experience and 
foisted it upon us, right? Like for the time that he was on Twitter and you could not escape Trump if you wanted to. You couldn't. He was you can't now insistent even now with his limited capabilities. Right. Um, He wants to be in your life invasively. And absolutely, I mean, his total disregard for decency and, you know, um, norms, I think did create this race to the bottom. Certainly on the right, you know, the cruelty has become the point. Enemies are so much more important than friends, right? Consensus is a bad word. If if you want to find consensus, like Kevin McCarthy, you're out of here. Mm-hmm. That makes you woke and a pussy. Um, and listen, Democrats race to the bottom too in some ways. They're not off the hook completely. I think Trump and Republicans gave them license license to meet them in in some places where you know that they probably shouldn't have. But one hundred percent, I think you can attribute the rise in right wing extremism to Trump and Republicans unequivocally. I say that. Um, well, at the same time, I have a piece out just this week about the awful anti-Semitism that has been awakened on the left and this conflict in Israel and Gaza, I think ripped a band-aid, rip, you know, ripped the tape off um, a brewing anti-Semitism on college campuses. And I'm talking about the far left mm-hmm. um, in in Congress um in right uh, left wing media that i did i didn't know it was as potent as it was that there would be if you had told me people at my alma mater cornell where lots of it's a big jewish population campus would be writing graffiti fuck israel on the sidewalks and the campus store i would not have believed you mm-hmm. um but there's this radicalization of the far left against jews there's no other way of putting it and i'm not saying you if you support Palestinians, you're anti-Semitic. That's not what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It's this total disregard for the suffering of Jews, the, of, of innocent people, and then wanting more of that, that there's no other way to put it. That is anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. You don't like Jews, period. Mm-hmm. I, I'm shocked by it, as shocked as I was when I saw neo-Nazis marching in Charlottesville, attaching themselves to the, to the right, mm-hmm. and then my former party embracing them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's shocking. It's shocking. As an American Jew and a, a left winger, I agree with you. I am shocked by the videos I see of these young students, some of them Jewish, walking around ripping off the hostage posters. Why are they ripping off posters of innocent men, women, and children who are Israeli who were taken hostage? They're not the government of Israel. They didn't ask for war or they didn't ask for their kibbutzim to be, you know, invaded and, ma- and have 1,400 of their fellow citizens massacred. The worst massacre of Jews since the Holocaust. You know, the compassion, the empathy, all of that that exists for the innocent civilians of Gaza, it just does not exist for the innocent men, women, and children who are on those fucking hostage posters. I don't understand this disconnect, which to me means some of my fellow Jews in America and all over the world, as well as non-Jews, don't know what the fuck they're doing. That's the only conclusion yeah. I can draw, because otherwise it's illogical. Well, I, I, a couple things. It's illogical in a way because these posters of missing Israelis and Americans, Jews um, who have been taken hostage by Hamas, aren't up. For practical reasons, we're not looking for them here. They're for awareness and compassion. And let's pray for these innocent victims. So it is illogical to take them down because there's no, there's the only point in that is cruelty. Right. And so in addition to being illogical, I would very quickly fill that blank in with, it's also anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. I think you don't like Jews because as you say, they are also innocent victims. Palestinians are victims of Hamas as well we can we can grieve all the victims all the innocent victims but to proactively go out and spit on these innocent either 
murder Jews or um, kidnap Jews to me only means one thing you don't like Jews. And that's obviously appalling and very hard for me to wrap my mind around in 2023. But here we are. The second thing I'll say is when I was in college, I think this is a part, a part of it too. When I was in college, the only way you could be rebellious as a student was to be conservative. You know, everyone around you was liberal. The, the, the professors were liberal. Uh, your student colleagues were liberal. The administration was liberal. Conservatism was really the only way. Now I think being like anti-Israel, pro-Palestinian, maybe even a little anti-Semitic, this is the rebellious rebel cry mm -hmm. of today's college students. And to your point, I don't think they know what the fuck they're doing. Mm -hmm. I don't think they understand. His I don't know, history. were they not taught the Holocaust? Like, were they not? Because I was. I was taught about the Holocaust and slavery. These two mm -hmm. things were the biggest sort of scourges, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in, in modern history. I was taught them real well. And so to see young kids today on the right wanting to keep up Confederate soldier monuments is, is mind-blowing. And then to see this new anti-Semitism on college campuses, where it's not just we align with Palestinians because we align with the oppressed. Mm -hmm. It's and fuck the Jews. Exactly. On top of that, mm -hmm. there's no wall separating these two thoughts. And I don't know if they're learning this at home or at college. Either way, it's appalling. I'm 63, which means I was born in 19... I'm 64. Fuck. I'm just reminded by my... <laughs> Thanks, Jen. <laughs> I'm actually older than I even thought I was. Excuse me. Let me let me dust myself off now and finish my thought if I can, because I'm so old and feeble. Um, I'm 64, which means I was born in 1959, which means I was born not that long after the Holocaust. So I grew up yeah. with this in acute awareness of my role and place in the world as a Jew and what came back at me. So it's easier for me today in 2023 to think about the Crusades and the Russian pogroms and the Spanish Inquisition and the Holocaust and all these things that a lot of people either forgot or don't seem to care about because that's contextual, that's foundational, that, that, that's part of where yeah. we are today. The world, is my opinion, the world hates Jews, always has, always will, scapegoating them for everything. I'm fine with that. I've learned to live with that. We're seeing it on full display right now. You know, you look at yeah. the, the blame for the hospital bombing. We now have mm -hmm. United States intelligence and president. We now have Israeli intelligence. Mm -hmm. Okay, you can discount them because it's Israel. They, what else are they going to say? All right, fine, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll accept it. France, Canada, the New York Times, Associated Press. Media, not, right. Yeah. Israel didn't bomb that hospital, Okay. But, but yet, yet Rashida Tlaib still refuses to well, believe that. That's where I was going. And now, not only does she still have that tweet up, but in the days since, she's doubling and tripling down on this rhetoric, which is so dangerous. I need an independent investigation. That's conspiracy theories. Yeah. Just like 9-11 trutherism. No different. No different. Yeah, and, and no one could it tell me there is no cause theory. and effect between, no connectivity between that kind of rhetoric and what we're seeing all over the world in terms of protests, or in fact, maybe Samantha Wall, who got murdered in Michigan, in mm -hmm. Tlaib's home state. Um, and it's very, very dangerous. And that's why, so when I see these kids, especially the Jewish kids ripping down these posts, right. like, what do you, your parents must be really proud of you. This girl that right. I think you talked about, one of the NYU student, I forget her name, Wal Wal mm -hmm. Walker or Walkman or something like Rhino that. Rhino Workman. Yeah. Rhino Workman and, and they identify as they them. She just lost a huge job at a law firm that she was going to get. I'm sure her parents are going $270,000 for tuition and you just lost. Like, this kid's not going to get a job, you know? And so to your point, it's like, it just seems like this is the cool thing to do today. Yeah. To, to, to bash Israel. When in fact, Israel was the victim. I don't understand how people are losing track of that. It's, 1,400 people died, 4,600 4, injured, hundreds taken hostage, massacred. Yep. And we're not just talking like a bomb or this. We're talking about babies getting burned alive, the most right. evil, diabolically evil shit since right. the Holocaust. 
and no one seems to care, and no one seems to connect that to anything that's followed. I don't if know. Maybe I'm just looking at say, it in a different way than I should. No, we're, this is rational. This is rational, and the opposite that's happening is irrational. If you can't state the obvious that Hamas is a disgusting terrorist organization that brutally butchered innocent people, if you can't just say that as a lawmaker or a professor or someone in a position of, of authority, you are fucked in the head. I'm sorry. There's no other way around that. It's right. obvious and it's a fact. Now, that doesn't mean you have to support Israel as a, a, a government. Mm -hmm. You have to support all, all of their policies. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you can't support the Palestinians and want the end of their suffering. Of course you can. But if you can't state that obvious thing, you hate Jews and you are fucked in the head. Yeah, Done. Well, it's Period. The, it's the false equivalencies, the whataboutisms, the both sidesism. Uh, it's the the language that's being thrown around, open air prisms, proportionate response. I saw this thing, uh, this guy in the uh, who was on BBC, and he was asked by a reporter about proportionate response. He was like, "Oh, okay, so, so, so you're saying Israel should go in and and massacre fourteen hundred people and and right. and burn alive the same number of babies and behead right. the same number? What does proportionate mean?" It's just a right. term people it's throw a way around. Of dodging the, it's a way of dodging your own anti-Semitism and your disproportionate, skewed sense of reality. Mm -hmm. That bringing up a proportionate response or we should have a ceasefire or a pause now is what they're, what they're dressing that up as. This is a way of avoiding, I think, the obvious point which is that you see an equivalency between Hamas and Israel. Right. Which is fucked. I mean, that is not mm -hmm. that is not rational. And then you should confront probably some of your own biases for that. Mm -hmm. um, because these are we are we are spitting facts here with with compassion for every victim involved. We've said it several times. Compassion for every victim involved here. It should not be controversial mm -hmm. to say what is obvious, which we have said now several times. In my lifetime, I've never seen anyone in the world cry over spilled Jewish blood. That's just the way it is. It's just, it, there's a bandwagon when it happens on the other side. That makes me very sad to hear. Yeah, well, it's just, a, that's that's just the way it is. And we've seen everywhere, we've seen the rise, even before this massacre, the rise in anti-Semitism. Somehow Israel, who is the victim, is now the the perpetrator. And the problem is, and, and I still can't get anyone to answer this question for me. I get it all. I, as a Jew, as, as someone who's grown up with the Holocaust, I don't want to see anyone suffer. I don't want to see oppression anywhere. Right. I don't like occupation. I don't care. I don't like any of it. But to see people yeah. justify the barbaric acts that Hamas committed. Celebrating it. Yeah. Celebrating when, it. And, and like to blame Israel for being attacked. Because then the question becomes, what are they supposed to do? How do they go after Hamas to prevent this kind of massacre from happening again when Hamas has surrounded itself as human shields with the people they are supposed to be protecting? What is yeah. Israel's choice here? Uh, well, again, this is a rational choice. To me, there is only one choice. Of course, you have to. You have to retaliate as a deterrence, but you also have to try and solve this problem, which I don't think can be solved with resolutions. That's very clear. The Hamas charter is real clear, mm -hmm. and it is the extermination of the Jews and the end of Israel, period. Mm -hmm. How do you rationalize or make resolutions when your government's stated goal, right? Hamas is the government in, in Gaza. How do you, how do you, negotiate with that. There isn't a negotiation. Israel withdrew from Gaza as a way of saying, okay, you live over there and we'll live here. Well, that didn't work because right. the still they still have the same goal. No matter where they live in the world, they'll have the same goal, Hamas. Hamas has the same goal, which is to get rid of Jews. Mm -hmm. What do you do about that when they actually try and go and do it? You gotta, you got you have to stop them, of course. Mm -hmm. And it makes me very sad to hear that you don't feel like you've got allies 
because I think you have a lot of allies. And again, I think this can feel asymmetric and like the the world is coming down on you. I get that. But I haven't felt this isolated in the world. I know. I've heard that from a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of my Jewish friends have said, I feel unsafe. Sometimes, yeah. in some cases, for the first time in their lives. We're now mm -hmm. seeing, I see as a Jew, it's like, oh, this is how it happened in Germany. It's not right. abstract. It's not abstract to me anymore. And all it takes is that one maniac to come along and stoke the, the, the flames of hatred and rile up people. And I, I've been saying for years now, thank God our economy is as strong as it is. Because if we had 20% unemployment, and 15% yeah. interest rates. Look, I mean, look at what we have in this country in the last few years without that. People scaling the walls yeah. of the Capitol, anti-Semitism on the rise. My God, like, this is how it happens. So that's where, when I say as a Jew, I've never felt this way, at least in the last, I don't even know if I've ever felt this way, honestly. I could, I could say uh -huh. ever. I've never felt this way. And that's pretty damn scary. Well, I think we collectively forgot. We're supposed to never forget. Right. And I think it's clear that certainly among a generation, they forgot and maybe never learned in the first place. And then a lot of other people who know better forgot. And I think you're right that something was unleashed here that was probably here, but dormant. And it never got permission to come above ground until it did. And then it came above ground on the right and the left. Um, you know, first first on the right, for sure. Um, the the neo-Nazis, the white supremacists, the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, that all came above ground because Trump said, come one, come all. I love you people. These are my people. Um, you have fine people on both sides, mm -hmm. right? But they became, no, and this is normal. I'm not ashamed. I'm not going to wear a hood. I'm going to march with a tiki torch completely uncovered. Here's right. my name mm -hmm. in your paper. Right. And then I think on the left, this radicalization, this far, far left radicalization against the Jews got permission too when you had members of Congress supporting BDS and talking mm -hmm. in anti-Semitic tropes. Mm -hmm about Israel and Jews that had had been, I, I thought, really a thing of the past in polite, in polite society. Um, those were things you could not say. Um, and then they said it. And the more they said it and the more they justified it with politics and justified it with oppression language, um, it became normalized too. It became mainstreamed and now it's cool. This sickens me but it is cool on college campuses and in far left circles to hate Jews and to pretend it's about Israel, but it's, it's about Jews. It's about Jews. I just can't get away from the things I hear about Israel's being genocidal. It's like, whoa, October 7th. Do you not know what happened that day? That was a genocide. That was a genocide. That was like 40,000 Americans, the equivalent of 40,000 Americans dying on 9-11 because of the size of Israel. And so what are they supposed to do? Right, right. Well, the inability of people to understand that rational thought is troublesome. But I also just see, I don't know if you saw this video in Washington, D.C. of a guy in a car, driving a car, and he comes up against a, a woman on a bike and her small child on a bike, and they're in a bike lane, and she's asking, the car's blocking the bike lane, and she asks if he could just move so they can continue in the bike lane, and he says, you know, fuck you, um, your safety's not my concern, are you a Jew? And she says, in fact, I am, and he goes, I knew it, I knew you were a Jew, you're entitled, where does that come from? Because that has nothing to do with Hamas and Israel, this is a woman and her child right. in America mm -hmm. just asking to ride their fucking bikes. Where does that hatred right. start? Where does that start? That, I think, bothers me more than the inability of a lot of people to understand the geopolitics mm -hmm. 
of self-preservation among Jews in Israel. Like, uh, you know, well, that, just that bothers that, me too. That's just speaking to the, the more macro issue of incivility and humanity, cruelty. That is just, that's the fabric of the, the, the culture that we live in today. And we see it all over the so world. Let's shift to the house. Speaking of of uh, dis- <laughs> okay. dysfunction, it's a lighter subject. Yeah. So now we have a Ooh. speaker of the house, second in line to the president, who just doesn't happen to believe in the constitution. He likes to overturn free and fair elections, and he is uh, nicknamed MAGA really Mike. The theocracies. Yeah, you know, I mean, it almost makes it like when I see liberals now who are saying like he is anti-choice and he is anti-LGBTQ and anti-gay marriage and anti-gun reform. I'm like, what do you expect? He's a Republican. He's a conservative. Like, why are we even talking about that shit and not the fact that the Speaker of the House, the second in line to the presidency, is a seditionist? Yeah, right. This is where we are today. So the conversation we just had, if you layer that on, it's like it just seems on some level to be getting worse and crazier. Feels like it's coming apart. And that's very disorienting and scary, right? To feel like things, institutions you could trust are coming apart. And it is. And I think the one of the wilder things about Mike Johnson, so he's getting the shit you're talking about from the left, which is predictable, but also why are you surprised by this? As you said, from the far right, he's getting weirder shit. I don't know if you've seen the knocks on him from the far right. So Mike Johnson has a black child in addition to white children. Wow, I did not and know that. George, yep. And after George Floyd, Mike Johnson did some interviews where he said about George Floyd, I watched that video. There is no other way to see that than murder. It was murder. And as the father of a black child, I know that my black child will have a tougher life than my white children. That's just the world we live in and we need systematic change in America. The far right is deeming this wokeism because to them systematic racism does not exist and George Floyd died of an overdose. Mm -hmm. But they all voted for him, every single one. Yes. No, I know. And I'm, by the far right, I mean like the Laura Loomers and the, you know, the very far fringy right, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. members of Congress, um, just the lunatics on the far yeah. right. And listen, this mm-hmm. might seep into Congress. You might start hearing this from right. the Lauren Boberts or the Marjorie Taylor mm-hmm. Greens because, you know, they, they pick up on this shit. Matthew Dowd, people on. Matthew Dowd tweeted something, I think last night or this morning, and he said it, it was something to the effect of what you think you know about Mike Johnson is just the tip of the iceberg. Just wait over the next few days or a week or whatever. And I'm wondering, mm-hmm. what does he mean by that? I think you will hear a lot of, um, he has talked in the past because he co- comes from a Christian background and he was a lawyer for Christian foundations. Um, A lot of, pretty terrifying talk about theocracy and the role that religion should play, specifically Christian religion should play in American democracy. Mm. It's pretty chilling. Um, You know, I've heard that for a long time and I studied religion, as you know, so I'm not, I'm used to these, Mm -hmm. um, these beliefs, but um, coming from a position of that level of power, I think is going to sound pretty shocking and terrifying to a lot of people. Um, I, I think that's probably what Matt is talking about. Mm-hmm. He's pretty Handmaid's Tale, isn't he? Like just a, a religious freak who, I don't know, I, I, I struggle with how we end up in a place where that's who the Speaker of the House is. I don't think he was chosen Right. Specifically, he we ended up with him because there was like no one that was going to pinball through the, uh, you know, crazy Republican House with a totally pure record. And so they accepted his extremism because extremism is so much better than a consensus builder. 
So they accept his extremism. In fact, I'm sure a lot of Republicans love his extremism because they know he won't compromise with Democrats. And that is the most important thing. It's not legislating. It's not solving problems. It's not being a good leader. It's not governing. It's not compromising. I think mm -hmm. we'd rather be the minority, honestly. I think mm -hmm. Republicans would rather be the minority. Well, you, you just wrote a piece, and I want to read something from it, because it really, to me, hits the nail on the head. Uh, the piece was called, The Right is Broken and No One is Fixing It. And this is what you said, quote, For Trump, who desperately wants to keep, to keep these good vibes going, the chaos and the dysfunction are a perfect foil, foil for his own legal battles and help obfuscate the fact that much of this was his doing. He effectively broke the right so that he could transcend it. For America, we're all watching what it looks like when a political party is in its final throes of usefulness and relevance. Rest in peace. I mean, that's the party's dead, isn't it? Like, they're not broken. It's dead. If it's you judge a political party by all the metrics, mm -hmm. it is completely useless today on all of those metrics. It's not governing. It's not helping getting Republicans elected, right? Republicans are losing. Republicans mm -hmm. lost Everything. the White House, the Senate, mm -hmm. the House in four years, right? Mm -hmm. It's not doing that. Um, it's not a standard bearer for a political movement, i.e. conservatism. Mm -hmm. No one I speak talks in the conservatism that I, you know, I, I grew up with, um, with values and principles like lowering the debt and the deficit, anti-protectionism, family values. None of that matters anymore. So it's not a... Like you're checking no boxes as today's Republican Party. And it's just condensing. It's getting smaller. It's getting less effective, obviously. It can't even govern itself, let alone the country. So, yeah, it's effectively it's effectively dead. And this was, I promise you, this is, is not some paranoid conspiracy theory. This was 100 percent Trump's goal, mm -hmm. because if anything's bigger than him, if the Republican Party is bigger than Trump, conservative values are more important than Trump. If anything's bigger, then he loses. He needed to break every democratic institution, the Republican Party, the conservative movement, evangelicalism. He has convinced evangelicals to believe that Jesus would have been woke, is too woke now. He broke it all so he could be bigger than all of it. He, he did it. He was successful. He did it. Yeah. And, and, one has to give him credit. I mean, I've had arguments with yeah. people. He's a moron. He's this. He's that. He is an evil genius. You, and, this is a feat. Yeah. I mean, he he deserves credit because this was not easy to do. No. And it required a lot of awful people with no spines or souls to go along with him. But he did it. And he did it in very short time. Like, you know, a couple of years convinced a whole movement to abandon long-held orthodoxy and principles. Abandon it. It's gone. It doesn't matter anymore. He is the only thing that matters. Yeah. It's really something to do. It, it is. And he's, like a, and he's like a cockroach. You can't, we can't seem to get rid of him. You step on him, you hear the crack, and then you lift your foot, and it scurries away. And, yeah, 100%. And maybe now in the next 12 months, given all the legal battles, he's what I think are insurmountable legal battles are going to finally do him in. I really do think that's going to happen. But then again, he's Trump, and he manages to somehow, when the foot gets lifted, psh, scurries away. So yeah, yeah. Essie, it's always uh, a blast to talk to you, even if it's just talking about the worst shit possible. World ending, yeah. You always help to make some sense of it. I look forward to chatting again and uh, see where life takes us in the next Hopefully weeks and months. Better times. Thanks, buddy. All righty, take care. I appreciate you. This episode of The Back Room was edited and produced by me, Andy Ostroy. It was co-edited and co-produced by Maddie Rosenberg and co-produced by Jen Hamoud. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Hollander and our logo was designed by Cricket Langell. And special thanks to Patricia Wind. Please take a moment to rate and review the podcast and also follow or subscribe. Until next time, keep your eyes on Washington, Hollywood, and your own backyards and have a great week.